Hey, everybody, it's Saturday, December 4th, and you are listening to the Pure Capital Podcast. Today on the podcast, it is the first week of the month, so we're going to be talking real estate, uh, specifically short-term rentals. So on the last episode, we we dove into short-term rentals just a little bit, and we told you guys about the introduction of uh, Platt Capital, the short-term rental fund, vacation rental fund that James and I are in the process of, of spinning up right now. Um, but we, we talked a little bit of detail about short-term rentals and, you know, said, gosh, it would be really good to dive into this strategy a little bit deeper, um, and actually do kind of that, that rundown and deep dive, uh, in the short-term rental market, um, on the, uh, real estate side of the, of the podcast. So uh, once again, it's the first week of the month, which means it's real estate week. And, uh, we're going to talk those short-term rentals this week. So with that, James, hop on, man. How you doing? I'm doing good, Norm. I'm uh, really excited for this one. I think uh, just a lot of friends or people I've talked with and folks in general are always interested in like owning the Airbnb or understanding that process. So I'm, I'm excited for uh, today's episode. Yeah, I think it's it, it. Lots of people are starting to kind of hear about this. You know, to be honest with you, it's kind of a it's kind of a niche little segment of the market. Like there's you'd be surprised how few people are utilizing the strategy versus um, what the potential is on it. So, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of information that's getting around out there and people who are starting to hear it and, you know, wanting to get involved in this type of strategy and, and hopefully we can lay it down for them today and help out. Yeah, absolutely. It's, um, it's so interesting. I've, I've just seen from friends showing me or sending me links uh, a ton of, you know, in the past year, TikToks and just like, quicker, shorter films of like 10, 20, 30 seconds that have come out and it'll be a husband and wife or a couple or, or two people who uh, are just like talking about how they have six short-term rentals and their monthly numbers and everyone, everyone always seems to be blown away. Um, so it's definitely, this area is definitely like picking up traction. I think folks are really starting to understand the, uh, the opportunity that's really there for sure. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it, it is a, uh, it's an interesting it's an interesting little market segment to be in and, you know, fits perfectly into our, uh, you know, w- what we preach about asset class diversification. So class diversification, you know, you're in multiple different classes, but also you can diversify within an asset class amongst strategies. And, you know, this is another one of those strategies that's a good tool in your toolbox to uh, be able to put to use a um, little bit more labor intensive strategy. And we'll get into this uh, as, as we get in, as we go through this, but it's also a little bit more profitable strategy too. If you, if you know what you're doing now, short-term rentals, I mean, in, in full disclosure, short-term rentals are really my, uh, primary business. Um, you know, this is where I spend the majority of my time is in the short-term rental market. Um, and I'm continuously trying to build that out. I talked about a little, that a little bit on the last podcast, but you know, we're, um, we're turning on uh, four new, new short-term rentals right now with different strategies behind them. And, you know, maybe I'll talk a little bit more about those as we get into this thing. But um, with that, I guess uh, we we can dive in here. So for, first thing I want to do is I want to just go over what the heck a short-term rental is and, and what that really means, because there's quite a few different um, ways of going about short-term rentals and quite a few different types of short-term rentals that are out there. Um, so when we say short-term rental, really what I mean is a rental, uh, a house 
or an apartment or um, a, a complex, really anything that you are going to rent uh, almost as if it's a hotel. So you're going to rent on a nightly basis, um, you know, from one night up to say six months um, falls within that short term rental rental market. And then there's lots of different strategies within, within that, uh, that realm, that one night to, to six months. Um, you can do, uh, all the different types of, of short-term rentals that are out there. So I I think a lot of people think about vacation rentals when they think about the short-term rental market. So, um, places where people are going to travel to go on vacation and you own a own that property. Um, you're renting that property to them, uh, in order to, to, uh, generate cash flow for yourself and give them a vacation. So think of this in terms of like people going to the beach, uh, maybe you own that beach house, um, that you're renting out to people or, uh, people going into the mountains to stay in a cabin, um, you know, different things along those lines, but this can actually expand into lots of different realms. Um, so like, for instance, you know, you go down to uh, you go down to Florida. Uh, you can buy you can actually buy um, hotel rooms from like Hilton Hotel. Right? You own the hotel room. You're the owner of that hotel room, um, and then you are uh, essentially leasing back to uh, or Hilton is leasing that hotel room for you from you. They're managing the property. They're running their big brand, big box Hilton Hotel. Um, and you are generating cash flow uh, off of them running that as the owner of that property. So there's so many different ways to do it um, in, in the vacation space. You know, I, I gave the Hilton example there, but other ways that you can do it, you can, um, you know, you could purchase a property uh, and then hand it over to a property management company and let a property management company actually do all the all the marketing, all the uh, vetting of of um, guests that are kind of come in, and all of the communication and just kind of day to day associated with um, with letting someone actually utilize that property as a vacation. Uh, the third way to do it is to simply do it yourself using all the different platforms that are out there in the world today. There's there's so many. Uh, that are out there that are very useful, um, such as Airbnb, uh, VRBO, Booking, Expedia, um, and on and on and on. There's there's tons of different ones that are out there. I primarily um, utilize Airbnb, VRBO, and Booking. Um, and then I'm pretty sure just just recently, I'm not I'm not not totally sure how long ago this happened, but uh, Expedia did some sort of deal with um, VRBO where they are actually, uh, when you book through Expedia, uh, they're pushing you back through VRBO, um, for kind of the single family home standing vacation rentals, uh, run by owner operators, uh, which is, which is kind of interesting. So, uh, VRBO is trying to kind of expand their reach through Expedia is my understanding. Um, but lots of different ways you can go about that, uh, vacation, a rental side of things and lots of different ways that you can get into that game. Some in a very passive way, like just purchasing, uh, you know, that hotel room or condo uh, through like a, a big chain like Hilton. 
um, you know, where you essentially do nothing uh, other than slap down the money and let them handle everything uh, all the way to complete do it yourself uh, where you're running those properties through through Airbnb um, and VRBO. And, and I would say think about them, you know, price points and, and passivity. Um, you know, you're going to make a little bit lower return on that side of side of things. Whereas if you've got a little bit more uh, skin in the game, you're working a little bit harder at it, um, or at least you're doing doing the uh, you're putting together the group that is is doing the work on that property. Uh, typically, you're going to have a little bit more profit associated with with doing it that way too. But that's the vacation rental side of things. Now, there's a totally different side of the short term rental market uh, that's worth talking about, and that is just the kind of small town, um, local short-term, uh, rentals, uh, you know, believe it or not, there's, there's lots of people out there who still need a short-term rental, um, even in small local towns. So think of, you know, just the, 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 uh, town that you grew up in, the town that you live in more than likely there is, it, it might not be a giant market, but more than likely there's a small market there for short-term rentals that can demand a little bit higher prices. So in the long-term rental market, you know, typically you're going to be signing leases um, anywhere between six months and, and, you know, five years on a lease. And uh, not everybody needs that. You know, there's lots of different people who need something, need to rent something on a very short-term basis, especially uh, more recently in this, in this hot real estate market. Um, that, that need to come in and need to have a little bit smaller, uh, place, uh, for them to, or a little bit shorter time frame for them to come in and actually, actually rent. So, you know, some of the things that I've seen are people who, um, for instance, have sold their house and are looking for a new house or haven't found that new house yet. Right. So the, the market's so hot out there that people get very eager to sell into that market but they don't have anything to fall back on uh, to move into. So usually they need one month, two months, maybe even three months, um, a place to stay, a place to live uh, as they find that new property or as they get transitioned into their new home that they're going to live in. Well, that's the perfect little segment for a local short-term rental. So, um, so it's very, uh, very common for people to, book Airbnbs, VRBOs, uh, different short-term rentals in the local market uh, to make those types of transitions. Other, other places that we've seen um, people, uh, people book out of are, um, for instance, if you're any, anywhere close to a hospital, there's a lot of traveling nurses uh, that are out there these days who are, are uh, you know, looking for places to stay. Typically, they're signing three-month contracts with hospitals, um, so they need a place for three months. And, and that's the perfect segment for that. Uh, you also have people who are coming into town uh, for the holidays and stuff like that. Maybe they don't want to stay with their families. Um, so just as you sit back and you start to think through that, there are so many different uh, segments that are out there in just your hometown um, that could generate income uh, from a short-term rental. So really, those are the two two kind of main types of short-term rentals uh, and short-term rentals, rental strategies that are, 
that are out there. And then there's varying different degrees throughout all of those. Yeah, I love that, Norm. I think, um, you know, for folks listening and, you know, Norm and I have a couple of properties together and, and one of them in our portfolio is uh, fits that narrative that he was talking about with being close to a hospital. And I think the beauty, the beauty of, you know, the short term rental side of things is that you can flip back and forth. So the two, you know, categories that Norm was just talking about between vacation rentals and then um, also just kind of your more small town rental, you could have someone booked for three months and be, you know, contract nurses. And then two weeks later, you can have, you know, a family come in on vacation who's just visiting a family member. Um, and it just really opens up the variety of people that can come in and, and uh, also like Norm said, higher rates. So I, it's exciting. I, I think ours has completely outperformed what we ever expected it to be. Um, so it's been really cool to see the the different aspects of the short-term rentals and how they can all kind of feed off each other as you get, get one set up and live. Yeah. And, the, and there's so many, so many different ways that you can go about doing this. And, and a little bit later on, when I get into kind of pricing strategy, like you can, you can segment and target specific, um, you know, specific uh, people who are traveling to town uh, based on the way that you price things too. You know, for instance, with, with uh, nurses, you know, I, I try to, um, I try to discount my properties in a way where I am the most expensive on a daily basis, but the least expensive on a monthly basis. And that is the perfect little setup uh, for positioning yourself to be catching these three month contracts for, for nurses coming into town, you know, but there's just so many different ways that and pricing strategies that you can go through to uh, try to position yourself to do that. But that, that just kind of gives an overview of, of, you know, all the different markets that are out there from vacation to kind of small town uh, properties that you can do on the short-term side of things. Uh, The the next thing that I want to go through here is just, uh, you know, really determining that market that you're going to go into. Um, You know, it's not necessarily an easy thing to do. Uh, from the standpoint of you got to you got to put in the legwork, you got to beat the streets, you got to spend the time uh, to actually do the research and kind of dig in to understand that market and understand what your price points are going to be, so you know um, what you can buy. You know what what's going to cash flow well, what's going to be the optimal way to to run that property so that you can get the return that you're looking for on that property itself. Um, and, and you gotta be, you gotta be kind of smart about that. So there's lots of different ways to go about doing that. I like to use, uh, there's a few different data services out there, uh, that can, that will kick back and, and tell you kind of, uh, what revenues you can expect on short-term rentals in different areas and different markets. Um, I like to use air DNA. I think they do a very good job of giving you just, just pretty, pretty solid data, uh, from that market so that you can understand their revenues. Um, they've got a little rentalizer tool that you can go in, punch in the property, um, and it's going to spit out essentially some comps and tell you kind of a high level revenue number, um, for free. Uh, and then once you go behind the paywall, uh, you can basically get down into all type, all different types of properties and kind of dig through them and look at different price points and different revenues, uh, and different things that are out there that can, can help you kind of hone in a little bit better. Um, but there's so many different markets that you can dig into, uh, you know, and, and I would suggest anytime you're going into a market. So 
let's just use um, let's just use this a small town as an example. Uh, you know, try to understand what is who's the customer, who's who are the people who are going to be booking this property, what are they coming there for, what do they need to be there for? You know, um, I've got a couple of properties that are close to uh, major hiking trails. You know, and primarily what we get is we get people who come into into town for the weekends uh, for hiking um, or they come for a week for hiking. Uh, but you want to try to make sure that you have some sort of little draw that's close to you, um, in my in my opinion, uh, that helps uh, generate consistent people coming into town and, and making sure that they um, can see, uh, you know, the, the value out of, out of showing up and staying in your property. Um, so once you determine where you're going to go, you want to start kind of digging in and seeing how those revenue numbers are working at different properties. Uh, so you can do this through AirDNA. The other way that I do it is I just literally go to Airbnb, go to that specific, uh, specific area and start, digging through the properties that are in that area, digging through the competition and actually researching the competition a little bit. Look at the price structure, uh, look at how many bookings they have out in the future. Um, and as you do that, you can start to try to get a pretty good idea of whether that market's worth going into and actually making a purchase or not. Uh, the other thing that um, I think is is worth doing is finding out or doing your best to find out who is the highest grossing uh, property in the area uh, and look at all the different types of attributes that they have on those properties. You know, as you go into a market and you're trying to decide what to buy, you want to make sure that you are, you know, you have the attributes that people are going to want to go after. You really want to understand that market of that customer. So if people are coming for hiking, um, you know, is the most important thing to them that they're close to the hiking trail or is the most important thing that they have um, some sort of, of uh, amenity that aids to hiking. Uh, and a lot of time you can find out that information just by simply going around and looking at some of the competition and then trying to make yourself a little bit better than, than that competition so that you can stand out within that, that market segment. So, I mean, that's just a small, uh, a small example. You know, there's so many different ones that you can, you can look at and you can do, but my suggestion is find out what that market is that you're, you're looking for, find out what is the, what are the attributes that that market has, and then understand that customer that you're trying to provide that short-term rental for. Yeah. I'll just jump in here too. And, and, uh, the air DNA that Norm mentioned is super important, not only because it can show you the. Uh, numbers and, and kind of give you a better understanding of what's going on in, in the underlying market. But it's also the same tool that that lenders use, um, you know, that commercial lenders use when you're going to get a property and, and you want to loan from them. So we've used those numbers to forecast projections and understand cash flows, et cetera. And, and it's helped us a lot as we've acquired, uh, you know, new properties in, into our portfolios, because now when we go and, and we need to go take out a two, three, four hundred five thousand dollar loan for a short term rental property, we already know the exact metrics and things that they're also looking at. So definitely take advantage of, uh, you know, tools out there like air DNA as you're kind of getting a feel for a market and really trying to understand, you know, how good a property can perform in the long run. 
Yeah, that's, that's such a good point, James. And uh, one of the other things that I'll, I'll note is um, it's very difficult uh, to get a lender to underwrite a short-term rental. Um, you know, because you can, with these short-term rentals, usually they're thrown off enough revenue that you can actually purchase something that's a little bit uh, more expensive or nicer um, as a rental than what you typically would be able to for a long-term rental. Um, and most lenders that are out there actually, you know, have a very, very hard time underwriting that they look at it as a long-term rental. They'll underwrite it as a long-term rental. And usually they'll come back and say, Hey, you know, there's not enough, there's not enough income here, uh, to support this. So we're not going to actually write the loan for you. Yeah, for sure. And I think just to give some tangible numbers to that example, you know, we had a property where we were going through the loan process uh, and, you know, in underwriting and we were, you know, telling the lender that, hey, this is going to be a short term rental. Uh, and luckily, they're, you know, a lender that that kind of funds those and, and looks to, um, you know, provide capital for the types of properties. But the difference in projection for us when we when we we're going through the numbers is for the property, the short term rental was going to give us, you know, roughly a two thousand eight hundred dollars in in, uh, you know, gross rents each month. But then if we were to do a long-term rental, the same exact property, you know, the same exact address, same area, it was only going to give us about, you know, 1600. So as you can see, that's such a, you know, it's a difference of right around $1,200. And when, you know, a bank or, or a private lender is underwriting a loan, that's a pretty big deal. So definitely understand that as you kind of go into it. And I think that's a, a great point that Norm. Yeah. And there's really, James, there's only a handful of lenders out there who will even underwrite these short-term rentals, which blows my mind. I, I, honestly, we need to get uh, we need to get the owner of Host Capital on here to, to interview him and kind of talk through that a little bit because, um, you know, there's a uh, there's a, a big uh, market that could be captured there um, because just a lot of banks aren't willing to do it unless you can put together the data and you can really um, show them, hey, you know, here's the revenues that are going to be coming in. And, and I, I've in the past had to go in uh, the one that I did get a a small bank to lend on. Um, I basically had to go in and just put together this really solid, strong presentation and pitch them on uh, generating on, you know, writing the note um, in order for me to uh, to use, utilize that property as a short. Yeah, and especially with the process of just even timeline and trying to get a, a property quickly, it's so you know refreshing and beneficial for anyone getting a new property to work with folks who are used to lending on short-term properties. I know we've we've run into that a couple times where it becomes a very lengthy process, and and uh, you know so having those short-term that handful of short-term uh, rental lenders is is definitely important. And uh, you know we'll we'll throw some links up uh, on the website for folks so they can reference them. We've worked with a couple. Uh, as Norm mentioned, and, and uh, you know, once you get one or two in with them, it becomes a very streamlined process. And, you know, as you're acquiring a property, speed's always important. So we'll definitely put that on the on the website for you guys under resources. Yeah, that's good. That's good. All right. So let's uh, let's move. Well, before I move on, James, do you, do you have any other questions or anything that you want to touch on on um, just determining a market or, or the different types of short term rentals that are out there? No, I, I think you've done a great job of just encapsulating everything. I think, um, you know, I, I've learned a lot from Norm over the past couple of years in this process and have gone through that process now myself. And as he said, using tools like AirDNA and really 
diving and understanding your, your, the property and the market that's kind of under underlying in that area is, is very important. And, uh, definitely as you go into lend, you want to leverage those tools to make sure you're getting a, getting a good deal on a good property in the port. Yep, for sure. For sure. All right. So let's move, let's move on. Let's just make the assumption that everybody at this point has bought that prop, bought their property. They know where their, uh, what their market is. They have the property picked out. They've financed it. They've purchased it. Um, now it's time to get this thing set up and ready to rock and roll for, uh, actually opening it up to bookings. Right. So, um, there's a lot of detail that I think has to go into, uh, setting a property up and getting it put into place so that it can be ready to be rented. Now, um, I talked about this a little bit on the last podcast when we were going through uh, kind of our personal business and what we've got going on. But um, y- you have to, once again, you got to be thinking about that customer, what they're going to want, what that that person who's going to be renting that property is going to going to be after. And you want to try to set that property up in a way where they're able to walk into it and they don't skip a beat. It's no different to them than their home or no different to them than a five-star hotel that they're going to go stay at, you know? So you got to make sure that you get your entire list of things um, that have to be in that property uh, in order to, to accommodate those, those people. So, you know, that includes uh, anything from dishes in the kitchen, uh, forks and spoons and everything that goes along with that, you know, anything that you need to run a kitchen the way you should run a kitchen uh, as you would at your own home, um, all the way to, you know, are you going to provide, are you going to provide a made bed and linens or are you not? Um, believe it or not down in, in a lot of the, uh, coastal regions, a lot of the beach, uh, vacation rentals, uh, most of the time they don't even provide linens. Like you're expected to bring those, those things with you. Uh, so, that really creates an opportunity for people, you know, who are willing and able to be able to set up a system where they can actually put linens in place uh, for people and offer that within their, their uh, listing, um, you know, it puts you in a spot where you can either raise rates or it puts you in a spot where you are just the best in class property that's in the area um, by doing something just as simple as that, uh, not putting people in a position where they have to bring sheets with them. Um, you want to kind of look at your decor people, people like to walk in, uh, to, you know, nice pictures, nice paintings on the wall, a nice decor that makes them feel comfortable and feel at home and feel like they're in a very nice, classy, um, place that they're going to be spending their hard earned money at and spending their vacation at. Right. Um, and then you got to dig down deep into all the little details of different things, uh, that, that they might need, you know, something as simple as, um, a blender is important. I can't even tell you how many times, uh, people have called me to say, Hey, uh, you know, you don't have any, you don't have a whisk here. I need a whisk. Um, you know, somebody's staying for two days and they're getting on the phone calling because there's not a whisk. So like, even those little teeny tiny details like that are things that are, that are important and you want to make sure that you're generating a list um, of things that you got to have in that property to, uh, to utilize. Uh, the other thing that I think you want to think about is, you know, what type of amenity do you actually want to have um, uh, from the standpoint of, of consumables? Um, so are you providing toilet paper? Are you providing little, 
um, shampoos and things like that. People love that stuff. Uh, I would say, you know, four out of five times, three out of four times, uh, people don't use it, but they love it when they walk in and they see it. You know, some people use it and the people that use it love it. The people that don't use it like to see it it being there. We've actually got that feedback from people. You know, I didn't use it, but it was really cool that you had this thing uh, there. And that's just simple things like little shampoos. Uh, we put uh, actual makeup towels in our in our properties uh, so that people use makeup towels instead of using your nice white towels to wipe their makeup off at the end of the day. Um, but But little things like that are important. Uh, next up, you you got to determine what type of amenity you want in the in the uh, property itself. So, are you going to put washers and dryers in there? Um, does putting in a hot tub uh, generate more revenue for that particular area? Um, sometimes the answer to that question is yes. Sometimes the answer to that question is no. You know, do you need a pool? Do you want that headache? Do you want that or or does it generate enough revenue to actually put you in a position to be good with it? Um, should you be putting a fire pit in? Should you be putting, there's so many little different amenities that you can put in uh, to make the stay more comfortable. Um, at all of our beach properties, we provide bikes, boogie boards, uh, um, beach chairs, uh, umbrellas, cornhole boards, all those different things like that uh, can be very important to a person who's who's staying. So you again, you just want to make sure that you're putting a lot of thought into the customer and putting a lot of thought into the amenity that you want to give them so that they have this superior stay when they're staying with you. I like to uh, look at it in terms of uh, almost as if each property is like a startup, right? It's like how, how just as, as a startup has to worry about you know, the product they're putting out, they want a great quality product, the competition in the market, what's the real differentiators. Uh, I feel like if you take that same lens and, and do all those things that Norm said, you know, the chances of having a successful, you know, Airbnb or VRBO or short-term rental in general goes way up, but you have to take the time to like really do that research and do that diligence. You know, it's even just in understanding the intricate parts of a market, like Norm said, of how big of a deal it is that most of the beach places maybe don't even have linens there. So families have to plan to bring their own linens and then set them all up. And like, that's just such a small, it's a small thing, but it makes such a big difference and it makes the people's lives coming in so much easier that once they experience that, they're like, you know what, we want to come back. Cause this was so just so seamless and smooth. So definitely keep that in mind and really have that lens of like, what's the product I am actually offering to the market and, and be real with yourself. You know, what amenities can you add? What small touches can you add to really make it a unique, uh, you know, product that's going to be put on, on the, the rental market. Yeah, definitely. Now, so now I'm going to play the other side of that, though, um, because you don't have to do all that stuff necessarily, right? If if your strategy is you want to be best in class in that area and you want to maximize your revenue as much as you humanly possibly can, then to me, that's the way to go. Now, if your strategy is I want to run a short-term rental that makes more income than a long-term rental, um, but I want to keep my expenses low and I want to be, I want to kind of optimize for for bookings, um, you don't have to do any of that stuff. You know, it's not uncommon to see short-term rentals all over the place that don't, don't do that. Now, sometimes that's going to show up in reviews. Uh, sometimes that's not. Um, 
you know, it's kind of different for, for different areas, but it's not uncommon to, you know, have a bare bones place um, where you don't offer any specific amenity. You're just simply offering someone a place to stay for a short period of time. And your goal is to just outperform what you would do with a long-term rental. Um, so you kind of got to make that decision for yourself, how you want to, to uh, operate your properties. I typically am going to go for best in class, um, but, but that's not for everybody. That's not something that you have to do uh, necessarily. It's definitely more work if you want to do it that way. Um, the next uh, thing that we can go into here, I think, you know, you've got your property set up. The next thing that you got to start thinking about is you got to start thinking about your pricing and, and your pricing strategy. Um, it's so common for people to just set a price. So say, okay, I want $99 a night for this property. And they set that price and then that's it. They walk away and they let it run and they get booked out um, and they're perfectly happy with that. And you know what? That, that's great. You want to do it that way? That's great. Um, I really hope you're not in my market if you're, <laughs> if you're doing it that way, though, because you're missing out on so much opportunity um, by simply understanding supply and demand from the, from the actual um, market that you're in. So different markets have different seasonality. And in high seasons, you can charge high prices. And in low seasons, you can charge low prices. So uh, you're trying to kind of optimize for revenue gain, uh, while at the same time, optimizing, you're optimizing for revenue gain. Uh, you're trying to get the best price uh, while still getting booked. And I, I think a big mistake that people make is they do that thing where they just set the price. Uh, they say 99 bucks and then they move on um, and, and they're missing out on so much potential revenue by doing that. Uh, so in high seasons, like let's use beach rentals as an example. Again, we'll go back to that example. Um, you know, May, June, July, August, uh, and really um, from the time that kids get out of school until the time that kids go back to school is really the high peak demand season. Um, and it's not uncommon for you to be able to charge five times the amount for that time frame as you would any other time of the year. It's very simply supply and demand. You know, people are not people are on vac are taking their vacations to go to the beach with their kids. And because of that, there's hundreds and thousands of them who are going to the beach at the same time, who are really fighting over that scarce inventory that's down in that area. So, you know, it's not uncommon for us to charge $550, $600 a night um, for some of our little bit more premium properties uh, during peak season at the beach. Um, and then turn around and during the complete off season. So during say January, February, uh, we charge sometimes all the way down to $125 a night. So like, that's the differential, um, that you can go through, uh, when you have differences in supply and demand. So you got to be very conscientious of that. You got to try to understand what are, what does the market hold? What does the market bring? What are the hot times of year? What are not the hot times of year? When are there festivals going on? When are these different activities that drive people into town? 
so that you're appropriately pricing your property to maximize for revenue. Otherwise, um, you're just you're positioning yourself in kind of a a um, in a bad way, in my in my opinion. And there's a million different reasons that I could dive into to explain why that's not the best way to go about doing it. Um, I'm not going to spend too much more time on that, but but make sure you're looking at the at the pricing. Uh, you can also, there's also multiple different dynamic pricing services out there, um, you know, beyond pricing and, and, uh, different places like that can, you know, you can pay them a fee and tie into their, uh, pricing model and they'll set the prices for you. Um, so you don't have to mess with that stuff. I I'll use them periodically. Um, a lot of times I like to just stay in tune with my market and price based on, on the, what I think is appropriate from that standpoint. Uh, but you you definitely got to do your market research. You got to make sure that you're uh, providing the capital for the property that you are trying to trying to generate, uh, while at the same time being competitive within that marketplace, um, so that you're actually picking up bookings. So that is pricing. Um, the last thing that I want to talk about here is just your communication uh, with the people who who are staying at your property. Um, you know, if you're using a property manager, uh, if you're buying a place that you're going to be leasing back to a, a big box hotel, like a Hilton or something like that, then this, this portion is, is not important. You know, don't even really need to think about it. Um, because those companies are going to take care of that for you. Uh, you're going to make a smaller profit because of it, but, um, they're going to take care of it for you. So that headache goes away. Uh, but if you're doing it yourself, uh, your communication is going to be key. And I want to hone in on this a little bit because I think people, uh, people think that, you know, they can just start up a short-term rental, um, and it's going to be this passive income game that is just as easy as, as a long-term rental. And the reality is, um, it's, it's not, uh, you are going to get, messages uh, at any time of night, any time of day, uh, they're going to come in continuously. People are going to ask a lot of questions. Um, people are going to be demanding of you and you have to be able to effectively communicate with them. You have to be able to um, give them what they need so that they're having that vacation that they want. Uh, you know, on, on your long-term rentals, um, you know, if, if you have something, uh, something break in the property, um, you know, sometimes there's a little bit of fluidity with how quickly you have to get out there to fix it. Obviously, you want to get out there and fix it as quick as you can. But if you can't get, uh, say you can't get that plumber to, to come in today and he's going to have to wait till tomorrow, um, then that's, you know, that's, that's just fine on a long-term rental most of the time. On a short-term rental, it's not. People are paying you a lot of money to go on vacation, and they expect you to be on top of everything that you do. So if you have an issue, uh, it's got to be taken care of immediately. Um, and you got to make sure that you're on, you're on top of that. And you have a, a vendor network around you who is able to handle things for you um, if you're not going to be handling it yourself. Uh, the way that I go about doing this is I typically try to find great vendors in the local area. Um, I get, I have conversations with a lot of them 
I make sure that I have, uh, you know, three or four different plumbers who are, are ready to rock and roll for me at any given time who are going to drop what they're doing and go take and go handle my stuff. And if they can't, I'm going to have another one right in line to do that. Uh, also, uh, you want, you want to have a good cleaning company that's going to be willing to um, take care of you in a time of need. Uh, you know, if, if they don't do a great job while they're cleaning, when they're in their cleaning, you're going to get bad reviews. Um, and you're also going to have people who show up who, you know, say, Hey, this, this is dirty. I need it. I need it fixed. I need it cleaned now. And you got to make sure you got to have the understanding with your cleaning companies that you're going to react to this immediately. When I give you the phone call, you're going to move and you're going to take care of it. Um, so I think having a little bit of multiple sources of cleaning companies is a, is a good way of, of making sure that you have that, that too. If you do good, a good job on the interview side of things, um, you can put yourself in a position where you don't have to worry that much about that. Um, but at, at the same time, you just, you've got to be on top of that stuff because people are going to, are going to need it. Uh, and then, you know, treat, treat people like you would want to be treated if you were staying in, in that five-star hotel, you know? So when they're sending you messages, when they're giving you phone calls, you know, make sure you are, are looking at them as your guest and someone who you want to give a great experience to. Uh, just make sure you're on top of that. That's going to be the most important thing when it comes to getting good reviews and, and setting yourself up in a way where uh, people are going to be coming back to your property again and again and again um, from that point forward. So I think that, uh, I think that covers it. That's, that's uh, pretty solid on the communication side of things. James, you had any question, a question on that? I just wanted, I, I love the point of, uh, you know, treating as if you are the one literally staying there. I think uh, oftentimes even just, you know, as I'm building, um, you know, products with Iconic and stuff, as soon as I put my shoes in the user or like the person who's consuming the product, and then I'm just honest with myself, it just becomes so real to whether or not you're really adding value or making their experience great. And so like definitely encourage people to, really think like, okay, is this, is this a property I would want to take my family to and stay at? And is this service that I get service that I would want and that I would expect, you know, when staying at a short term. So I love that point. And I think in real estate and even just across the board, it all is to put yourself in that mindset and, and that frame is just so important to make sure that you really are bringing a great product to the users who are either living there or, or using, you know, the property. Yep. De definitely. A absolutely. Um, so, you know, that, that gives everybody kind of a high level overview. I didn't go too deep into the weeds. I did a little bit because I can't help myself, but I didn't go too deep into the weeds on each different topic, uh, there, but, you know, to be honest with, with everybody that's out there, um, I could spend an hour on each one of those points that I, that I talked about, you know, there's so many different, such a big breadth of things that you can do within this short-term rental market. Um, and, and so many different strategies that you can run, so many different ways that you can go about doing it um, that I, I can. And I think we will spend a significant amount of time just just going through and explaining those to you on some of the future uh, real estate podcasts. I definitely want to get some people in here to talk a little bit more about the financing and 
and just all the different ways that you can you can run those properties. So uh, with that, that kind of brings it in, brings it into a landing um, for me on the short term side of things. James, is there any other comments you want to put towards this? No, I think just to wrap it, I, I think it's been great. You know, hopefully for all you guys listening, that this has just been, a, you know, the, a handbook that you can use as you're, you know, starting your journey. Or maybe you already have a short term rental, but you're trying to figure out how, how to understand the market and build a larger portfolio. Um, you know, really, we just wanted to jump on here and share kind of the process of what it looks like, the ins and outs and, and get in the weeds a little to hopefully provide some value and, and make it tangible to, you know, the process tangible of actually acquiring and managing a short-term rental. So with that, we always appreciate everyone tuning in, um, you know, check out platcapital.co on our website. We have uh, all those resources for things getting updated there. And, um, you know, probably on the next, next week's episode, we'll, we'll be able to announce, um, you know, fingers crossed that the plat capital, uh, real estate fund is live on Republic and, uh, just stay tuned in for that. So as always appreciate you guys tuning in and have a great rest of the weekend.